morning. I will be in Ephesians chapter 2. I will be looking at one whole verse this morning, um, but it's not even the whole verse that we're going to be diving into. Uh, Our uh, text that we'll be studying is also the the title of the sermon, Uh, but uh, if you would uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll uh, stand for the reading of God's word, and we'll read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 uh, together. So if you have uh, your Bible, and if you would stand with me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Uh, If you would read along with me, Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for uh, your mercies, which were new, for your grace, which is sufficient. Lord, we thank you for the coolness of the rain, uh, a reprieve from uh, the heat. Um, We thank you for this place, uh, this fellowship of believers. Lord, we're here uh, not because, and not primarily because, we're seeking you, but because you have sought out us. Uh, Lord, uh, your spirit has drawn us to this place. God, we ask that as we uh, get into your word this morning, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things from your word. Lord, that you would uh, soften our hearts to receive all that you have. Lord, that you would sharpen our eyes to see all that is there. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Ephesians 2.10 is one of my favorite verses, and I've never just taught the verse. And being that we have some kids with us this morning, uh, I wanted to share with them one of my favorite verses because I like to start off my classes typically with us going around the class and sharing something about ourselves, whether it's our name, uh, our grade, our favorite dinosaur, uh, our favorite color. And uh, today I'm going to share with you one of the verses that's one of my favorite verses um, because of the work that it's done in my own life, but because also of the work I've seen it do in the lives of many others. Um, But if you've got your Play-Doh ready, kids, um, the first thing you're going to be making this morning uh, is not a happy thing. It's a sad thing. You're going to make a sad face. And as you make that sad face, I'll explain to your parents why. Uh, The verse begins with for we are, and that phrase is in contrast to what has just been said earlier in the chapter, because who we are is not who we were. Who we are as Christians, uh, who we are today, if you name the name of Christ and you've surrendered your life to him, if you call him Lord, if he is your savior, then who we are is not who we were. Uh, And one of the first things I want to point out in that beginning part of the verse is the we. Uh, It's us together. It's not uh, me, it's we. Uh, Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples how to pray, he taught them to pray, not my Father who art in heaven, but our Father. And the we there is a community of believers. When Paul is writing to them, and he says, we are, uh, he's not describing, you know, his family. He's not describing uh, his work associates. Uh, He's not even describing just Jews or just Gentiles. He's describing a group of people who are his. He says, we are his. This group of people is together, and they were once together before This gathering now, when he says we are, it's in contrast to who we were. Uh, If you have your Bibles open and you want to scroll back up to the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2, he describes who we were. Uh, He says, and you he made alive, verse 1, who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Uh, 
And so that's why we're making a sad face, because who we once were is not something we were happy to be. Who we once were, according to those verses, is we once were dead in our relationship with God. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden, the warning that God gave, if you eat this fruit, the consequence of that was death. And this is the same death that he's talking about here. Now, they didn't take a bite of that forbidden fruit and just keel over and fall down. It wasn't a physical death that he was talking about. It was a spiritual death. Their relationship with God died in that moment. And we're born that way. We're born with these sad Plato faces because we're spiritually dead. We're, we're not, not doing anything, though, because even though we're dead in our relationship to God, we are alive to sin. What he says is that we are, by nature, children of wrath. That's what we once were. But that's not who we are now. When he says, for we are, he's describing, and again, he's contrasting what we once were before we came to Christ. And we were that sad, 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 Plato face. <laughs> the Bible the, the biblical picture of who we were before Christ is uh, we were separated from God. Colossians chapter 1, verses 21, it says, You were once alienated and enemies in your mind by uh, wicked works, yet now uh, he has reconciled us. Uh, we were not righteous before. Uh, the Bible says that there's none righteous. No, not one. Uh, that's not a good thing. That's not a good place to be. And because of this unrighteous state and living in sin, we were under the wrath of God. 1 Peter 4, 4 says, We once walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries. We were under the wrath of God because of those things. We were dead in our relationship to God, but we were alive to sin. And that's who we once were, but that's not who we are now. Who we are now is something entirely different. Who we are now is not who we once were. Secondly, if I can turn my pages here, uh, who we are now is his workmanship. Do you know what workmanship is? We are his workmanship in more than one way. Uh, we are formed and fashioned by him twice. If you are a believer here this morning, if you're a Christian, again, if you have surrendered your life to the Lord, you've been made by the Lord twice. Uh, he fashioned you first in your mother's womb. Uh, the Bible tells us how he made the very first man. Uh, and it's a, a unique uh, description. Uh, and I think it's a very apropos picture of who we are. And the significance of our death and our relationship with God is underlined in it. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, uh, it says, And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground. So, kids... If you've got your Play-Doh, I want you to make a little baby out of your Play-Doh. And as you make that baby, uh, this is what God did. He took, not Play-Doh, but he took the dust of the ground. It says, the most common thing on earth, and it's so common that we call it earth. <laughs> it's dirt. He took the most common thing on the planet, and he formed something out of it. He formed the first man. And right now, you're doing what God did in that moment. You might be doing it a little bit differently than he did. But God formed man out of the dirt. That's a very common thing that we can do with Play-Doh. We can put it together. We can fashion it. And we can form it. But then God did something that you cannot do. <laughs> God did something that none of us can do. It says that he formed a man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. That's something that you can't do. That's not something you can go get. You can go down to the local hardware store and get a truck full of earth. But you can't get one breath of God. 
God took the most precious thing in heaven and combined it with the most common thing on earth. And that's how he made man. And the death that man died in the garden was the, the breath <laughs> left the dirt. God formed man. The very first man God actually formed. Kids, if you look at the, the baby that you've made, if you look real closely, you'll see your fingerprints on it. If you look at man very closely, we still bear his image. His fingerprints are all over us because God didn't just claim to make the first man. God claims to make every man, man, woman. Every boy and girl is fashioned physically by the Lord. We're told in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, that uh, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet, notice, unformed. And in your books they were all written, the days fashioned for me as when there were yet none of them. God made you physically. God made everyone, and in that way, God has fashioned us, and we are his workmanship the first time. When we were born the first time, he fashioned us. He made us. If you've got your Play-Doh ready, now we're going to make another face, a very happy face. Uh, this is the face your parents made when you were born, uh, but this is also the face of angels uh, in heaven when we are born again. When we were born the first time, he fashioned us. And when we were born again, he fashioned us again. This is what this verse is telling us in Ephesians 2.10 when he, it says we are his workmanship. There's another contrast that's going on here. It's not a contrast of what we are, but how we are or whose we are. The, the verses right before Ephesians 2.10, they're pretty famous verses. If you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably known them. You may have even memorized them as a kid. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 uh, tells us that um, we're not saved because of the work we've done. We are saved because of the work he's done. Again, Ephesians 2, uh, 8, and 9, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are what we are, not because of what we've done. It's not our workmanship that we are. Uh, if, if the gospel were, a, were just a book and you were trying to find the right place to put it in a bookstore, it would not be under the self-help category because the gospel is not a self-help message. It's a, it's a message of saying, you're so messed up, <laughs> you need somebody else to help you. <laughs> you're so far gone uh, that there's nothing you can do to help you. We are not our own workmanship. We are his workmanship. Uh, just like we did not fashion and form ourselves the first time, we have not fashioned and formed ourselves the second time. We are his workmanship. The word there in the Greek is an interesting word. Interesting word. Uh, it's the word poema. Can you guess where we get our word poetry from? Poema. It, it's a word which means, it, 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 it's what a, somebody who is given to a particular skill gives themselves to. It's a craftsman home. It's a, a poetry. It's thoughtful. It's intentional. It's heartfelt. It doesn't have to be big or long to be impressive, but it communicates a lot about the, the author of the poem. His heart is in words. And in the same way, we are his workmanship. His thought and his heart is expressed in the work that he has done and who we are as believers. He took that face that was a Plato sad face and he made it into a Plato happy face. And just like your Play-Doh didn't make its own happy face, 
That Play-Doh is now your workmanship. It, your skill is on display in that. Your ability is on display in that. And in the same way, God's skill and ability in changing and transforming is on display in us. We are his poema. We are his workmanship. He fashioned us again. The Bible describes this in a variety of ways uh, as an old creation and new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He calls us a new creation. Uh, Jesus, when he was trying to explain the same idea to uh, the teacher of Israel in a conversation they had late at night in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that teacher was like, how am I supposed to be born again? Because he thought it was a physical thing. And it's not. It's a spiritual thing. Just like your physical birth produced a physical life, spiritual birth produces a spiritual life. And God has got his fingerprints all over both. And because we've been born again, for those of us who have been born again, and because we are new creatures in Christ, because we are his workmanship, there's a hope that we have that's unique to us. Our hope as new creatures in Christ is this, that your heavenly father is the sovereign Lord of the universe, that he has your best interests at his heart and will accomplish his purpose in your life. He promises to meet every need you have ever had and to equip you fully for every good work that he's called you to and to be with you even through every circumstance of your life. Why? Because we are his. We are his workmanship. We didn't make ourselves acceptable to him. He has made us acceptable to him. When we were sad Plato faces, he made us happy Plato faces because we are not our own workmanship, but we are his workmanship. The next thing I need you to make, you guys, kids with Play-Doh, is a stick figure. We're, we're making a whole big person now. How and why this change happened? How did we become his workmanship? Why did we become his workmanship? What, to what end, to what purpose? We are his workmanship explains, is explained in the very next word in the verse, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Uh, he, not we, created us. The, the word there for created, um, if you're an English teacher, you'll really appreciate this next part. If you don't like English, you don't, you don't have to take notes on this. Uh, the, the grammar is a passive participle. What that means is it describes an action <laughs> that uh, is a verb that's describing the main verb. So uh, it, it would be like, I was running away from my son when he shot me with his Nerf gun. So I was running away is descriptive of when I got shot. <laughs> it tells you when it happened and a little bit of how it happened. And so uh, when it says uh, that uh, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, uh, the verb there is a passive verb. There's three ways you can do things. You can just do things in general. Uh, I tied my shoes, or I tied the shoes. Doesn't tell you if I tied my shoes or I tied your shoes or tied to anybody's shoes. I, I tied my shoes for myself. That, that's where I'm doing it for me. Uh, that would be in the middle voice. And the passive voice is, uh, I tied my son's shoes for him, or my son had his shoes tied by me. It describes an action that's done to somebody by somebody else. And so when it's saying we, were, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, it's, it's specifically telling us we did not do the creation. 
It's specifically telling us somebody else did the work, all of the work in that creative process. It happened to us in the past, uh, and that describes how we were saved. We were created in Christ Jesus. We were created in Christ Jesus at two points in time, when Christ died on the cross for our sins, and when that moment met the moment in our life when that work was applied to us in particular. Uh, just like if I invited you over to my house to eat some dinner and I've been preparing it all day, or maybe I'm smoking some chicken or some beef and it's been you know, in the smoker for 12 hours, 13 hours, and then you come over, when those two things come together, <laughs> you have been served some tasty food. <laughs> the work had been going on and ongoing, um, but when it and you came together, uh, that, that's when it happened. And for us, it's when we came into contact with Christ Jesus himself. Uh, again, who we were and that work that he's done has been described all over the New Testament, but one of my favorite places uh, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 because it describes all kinds of poor living, of that sad Plato face life, and it describes the work that God did to change us. And, and it describes him as the one doing the work. Notice again, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, it tells us, do, not, uh, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicator, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Again, the things that God has done for us is he has sanctified us, he has justified us, he has washed us. All of those things are the things that God has done for each one of us. And the things, the reason why he's done those things is because we needed all of those things. Uh, if, if you came to Christ later on in life and there's, there's a past, there's a before Christ <laughs> life you can describe, um, you're, you're pretty aware of the things that Christ has cleansed you from. Uh, if you were like me and grew up in a Christian home and uh, Pastor Chuck Smith describes his childhood uh, as being drugged. Uh, his parents drug him to church on Sunday, and they drug him to church on Wednesday, and they drug him to, you know, youth group on Thursday. He, he was drugged a lot as a ch child, and uh, I went and I had a very similar experience, and it's less obvious uh, the sin that God had saved me from on the outside. But as you grow in Christ, you realize that all of these things that are done outwardly don't start on the outside. They start on the inside. Uh, just like if you're trying to plant some fruit trees so you can have some fruit, you don't start with a fully ripe apple hanging in the air and hope that it'll grow roots. It starts off as a seed in the ground that you can't see and it's growing and it's a couple years before the fruit is there. But the seed's been there the whole time. It's just matured to the point where it's obvious to everybody else that, hey, that's an apple tree. And some of us, the, the sin in our life was fully mature and producing wicked fruit. And it was obvious to everyone. But we're all born dead spiritually with that sin in our heart. And whether it's produced itself or not, that's what needed to be taken away. That's what needed to be cleansed. And it's hard for some of us uh, to understand the, the sinfulness of our own heart. But for other of us, it's hard for us to understand how God can take that and cleanse it. Oftentimes when I'm reading a book, that's in, might be in the self-help category. I read parenting books and uh, marriage books with my wife um, because we wanna be wiser in our parenting and our marriage. Uh, but I always judge it by the same standard. And the standard is this, how are they defining the problem? And what are they presenting as the solution? Because if they're defining the problem as anything less than sin in my heart, then they've underestimated the problem. And if they present as a solution anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, then they're underestimating the solution to the problem. Because the problem is sin in my heart, and the solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And 
Whether you struggle understanding your own sinfulness or understanding the extent of God's forgiveness, God has created us in Christ Jesus. That's how he has done it. Now, why? Why did God create us in Christ Jesus? It wasn't purposeless. It wasn't just so that we would be uh, a happy, smiley face because we are a sad, smiley face or a sad face. That's that. Uh, okay, kids, new thing I'm going to have you make. You guys ready? It's going to be pretty tricky. I need you to make an apple out of your Play-Doh. You're going to make an apple, and then you're going to do something with it, so you've got to make it quick. Uh, God has, why has God prepared us? Uh, why has God made us new? Why are we his workmanship? Why has he created us? The verse tells us he created us uh, for good works, which he has prepared beforehand. Uh, at the very end of the verse, uh, verse 10, he says that we should walk in them. Again, this is another contrast. We used to walk in the world in a very particular way, and it, that walk was corresponding to our nature. Our nature was wicked, and we had corresponding works, wicked works. Uh, we once lived in the world, and we walked as others walked. What, he's, what he means by that is we lived our lives. The choices we made, the values that we had was just like everyone else. We did what we want because we wanted to. We were trying to live our best lives now. We were trying to uh, you know, do whatever we thought was right. If it felt good, we did it. If we thought it would bring us what we wanted for ourselves, that's what we did. And that's just like everybody else walked because we were dead in our relationship to God. Because we were, by nature, children of wrath, our works were those that were corrupted because our hearts were corrupted. But now we're different. And because we are different, our works or our walk should be different. He ends the verse again by saying that we should walk in them. So just as we had corresponding actions to our wicked nature, now he's calling us to corresponding actions to our new nature, a new way of living because we are a new creation. But in addition to God making us, it says that he made something else in addition to us. We are his workmanship, but there's something in addition to us that he made. When we were made new, other things were made. If you have your apple, you guys, if you got your apple, perfect, I like it. Now we're going to cut that apple up into apple slices. Do your best to make apple slices out of your apple. It'll be a little bit difficult, but as you do, I want you to think about snack time, because I know you're already thinking about snack time. Snack time in my class doesn't begin at the end of class. Snack time in my class begins about 15 minutes before class starts. I get cups. I make sure we have enough of everything. I make sure that it hasn't been raided sometime in the week <laughs> so that we have enough for everyone. And what I'm doing is I'm preparing snacks beforehand that we should consume them at the right time. So just as you are made new, alongside of you being made new are good works made for you. Just like snacks are prepared beforehand, and you've got your apple slices because you're preparing your snacks to be consumed at the right time, God has prepared good works for us to do. He not only made us new, but he made new things for us to do. There were old things that we once did. The enemy of our soul, uh, the spirit who now works in this present world, who we used to serve, also had plans for our lives. But God also has plans for our lives. Good works in which we are to walk in. They're, they're not things that we are, but they are things for us to do that are correspondent to the way we are. I'm not sure if you've ever uh, complained about the way that you are <laughs> to the Lord. Uh, when I was in junior high, uh, I got this really big oversized jacket. Um, 
it wasn't necessarily the fashion at the time. Uh, but I was like, I'm going to grow into this someday, and I'll have a jacket then, and if you would just, I'll, I'll have it oversized now, uh, and uh, it's still oversized. I, I'm still waiting to grow up into that jacket. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, why? why? Why have you made me the way that you made me? Why have you given me the gifts that you've given me? And those are excellent questions when you ask it with the right heart. When you ask with the curiosity of wanting to know, did you know there's two ways to ask the Lord that question? Uh, those two ways are, are given to us in, in Luke chapter 1. Uh, perhaps you know the beginning of Luke. There's uh, this couple, they couldn't have kids, and an angel comes and speaks. You know, God's speaking to people for the first time in like 400 years. Nobody's heard God speak. This guy, Zacharias, he's in the, he's in the hour of prayer, and guys. God speaks to him, your prayer has been answered, you're going to have a kid, he's going to be awesome, his name is going to be John the Baptist, he's going to introduce the Savior to the world, this should be the most exciting news ever, and he's like, how shall I know? And it wasn't a statement of, I'm curious, how will I know? But it was a question saying, you know, how shall I know since I'm old and, and my wife is advanced in years? And he was saying, I don't believe you, and I have my reasons why in his question. And sometimes that's how we ask the Lord, Lord, why did you make me the way that I am? Why did you give me the gifts that I have? I'm, I'm not asking those questions genuinely. What I'm asking is not a question. What I'm saying is, I disagree with how you made me, and I'm upset with the gifts you've given to me. It's not a question we're asking. It's a, it's a statement we're making in the form of a question. And Maybe you're not upset with the gifts he's given you. You're upset with the gifts he hasn't given you. <laughs> Lord, why didn't you give me the ability to? And then you fill it in. <laughs> God, why didn't you make me a steward of you know, millions and millions of dollars? That would make it a lot easier for me. <laughs> Instead, you've, you've made me the steward of uh, a few things. The second way you can ask that question is the way that that same angel had a very similar message to uh, a young lady by the name of Mary, and he... And he said to her, you're going to have a baby, and his name is going to be Jesus, and he's going to save the world. And she said the same question, but she didn't ask it the same way. And we know this because of how the angel responded. He, he, he answered her question. She's like, how can, I, how can this be? I've never been with a man. And he said, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. Like He gets into the details of <laughs> how God was going to bring a, a virgin to have a baby. <laughs> like that's, that's a good theological question she asked. If she, if she didn't ask that question, we would have no idea. <laughs> so I'm, I'm grateful that she asked that honest question. And if you ask that honest question to the Lord, Lord, why did you make me the way you made me? And why did you give me the gifts you, you gave me? That's a question God wants to answer for your life. If I invited all the kids up here and I had like, you know, uh, give one kid a, a bag of bread, another kid a jar of peanut butter, another kid uh, a, a jar of jelly, one kid a knife, and another kid a spoon. And, and they're like, why did you give this to me? It's like, well, I want you all to come together. I want you who have all the bread. I want you to make it rain over here. Just lay the bread out. I want you with the knife to ask the guy with the peanut butter if you guys can get together, spread some peanut butter on the bread, <laughs> right? They were all given different gifts. They are all given different responsibilities, and when they're working together, everybody's going to have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch. And God has done the same for each one of us who have been created in Christ Jesus. And he even uses your physical bodies in correspondence to the, the calling he has on your life. There was a missionary uh, who was born with brown eyes, and she complained to the Lord as a child, like, why am I so plain? All my sisters, they have these beautiful blue eyes, and uh, she ended up being a missionary in India, and they were coming to take out all of the missionaries, and she tanned her skin with coffee and dyed her hair black so she would blend in with the rest of the Indian people she was ministering to, and because her eyes were brown, they couldn't find her. And it wasn't until 30 years later that her, God, why have you made me this way question was answered. And it wasn't, I'm angry with you anymore. It's, God, thank you for making me with brown eyes. 
When God formed her, he knew what he was doing. When God made her new again, he knew what he was doing. When God formed you in your mother's womb, to not fit into junior high jackets still, (laughs) God knew what he was doing. When God made you again, you are his workmanship. That's how God sees you. He sees his fingerprints on your life. Asking God the question, Lord, why, why have you made me the way you made me? I, I want to know so that I can walk worthy of the calling with which you called me. I want to know so that I can walk in the good works that you've prepared beforehand. The Bible tells us clearly that we each have a gift from the Lord. First uh, Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Paul would write something similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He writes, There are diversity, diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. We're all different in the particulars, but we're all the same in the general. God has made each one of us to serve and equipped us to serve one another and to to exercise the gifts that he's given to us. If you're a new believer here this morning and you've never considered the work that God has already accomplished in you, I want you to consider that afresh today. I want you to know how to think about yourself because who you are is not who you were. Your mistakes of the past do not define you in the present. What defines you in the present is not your past work, but his past work. Because you were created in Christ Jesus. And who you are is his workmanship. When he sees you, he sees the work of his hands. And where we can look at ourselves and sometimes complain about his workmanship, what God sees when he sees us is his workmanship. And the work that he begins in you, we're told in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, is a work he's going to complete. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So if God has your life and your life is in his hands, he has made you new. If you're a new believer and you have not yet considered that God had not only made you on purpose, but he made you with purpose. Consider what purpose God has made you for. Ask him, God, why have you made me the way that you've made me? Perhaps you're a believer and you've been a believer for longer than I've been alive and you've been following the Lord and uh, you've forgotten more than I've ever learned. My question for you today is, today are you doing those things that you know the Lord has made you to do? Are you walking in obedience Are you exercising the gifts that God has given to you? As Christians, there's enough time in every day to be completely obedient to the Lord because the Lord has a plan for you for every day. But my question is, are you walking in what you know God has called you to? It's a privilege to have been made. It's a privilege to know what God has called you to, but there's a responsibility attached to that privilege We're supposed to walk in it. If you're not a believer this morning, if you know that you don't know the Lord, if you have not yet surrendered your heart and your life to the Lord, then all of these things that I've been talking about, they're not for you, but they are available to you. Who we were is what the Bible calls an unbeliever somebody who hasn't surrendered their life to the Lord. We're slaves to sin. We're dead in our relationship to to God. 
were like Adam, clumps of dirt, but without the breath of God. And that can be a hard place to be. And if you're tired of being there, if you desire for the creator of your body to be the remaker of your soul, God wants you to be a we with us. Again, Ephesians 2 says we are his workmanship. There's a work that God wants to do in you if you don't know him. I was reading a book recently, and uh, he was introducing the, the, the topic of how do we handle the brokenness of sin in our own life. And oftentimes we want to be forgiven, but we're not sure if forgiveness is possible. And there's a phrase in the book that I, I love. It says, more than we want to be forgiven, God wants to forgive. And if that's you, I don't want you to leave this place without receiving that forgiveness. That's the joy that each believer has, not just on the day they're forgiven, but every day <laughs> after. And if it's been a while as a believer, for you, having asked God to forgive you, whatever sin's there, there's a joy in our salvation. There's a freshness of our relationship that comes through confession and repentance. The Bible says that uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That if we haven't come to the Lord, that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and lead us in a song. And then uh, the men will pass out some of the elements and I'll explain what we're going to do with that. But would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for making us new. Lord, we are your workmanship. Lord, the, the skill, the passion, the purpose that you have in your heart is on display in our life. Lord, help us to remember that the bodies that you've given to us the spiritual gifts that you've given to us. Lord, that you've given to us those things on purpose and with purpose. Lord, I pray that you would give us clarity in our own mind of why we are the way that we are. Lord, that you would help us to remember that we, who we are now is not who we once were. Lord, you have changed us. You have made us new. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son. Lord, that because of his death on the cross, because he rose again from the dead, that we have new life.
The Bible tells us uh, that on the night before Jesus went to be crucified, uh, that he shared a meal with his disciples. Uh, it was the Passover meal, uh, but Jesus was going to use that meal as an opportunity uh, to teach them something that we still do today uh, as believers. Uh, and it's a way of us uh, remembering him uh, that we didn't invent, but that God invented. We call it uh, communion. And communion is when you're with someone in harmony. And we are in harmony with God as believers because of the work of Jesus on the cross. And uh, the Apostle Paul wrote about uh, this practice and that it was a practice that not only Jesus commissioned, but that was actually practiced in the church. And so we continue uh, that practice to this day. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians uh, for. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that on the same night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. A covenant is a promise that God made, and this new covenant wasn't out of left field. God had promised it in the Old Testament, saying, I'm going to make a new promise for you. The, the first covenant was based on obedience to God's law in order to gain acceptance to God. And we couldn't do that because we were disobedient, not just on the outside, but on the inside. And this new covenant that Jesus was making wasn't based on our works, but on his work. And it's a new covenant that cost him his life. And so not only was his body broken, but his blood was spilt, and his spilt blood was in place of ours. The death that we deserved, he took on, and his blood covers our sins. And so that covering of our sins because of his perfect blood is what we're remembering in the covenant that is the new covenant in his blood. Let's partake of it together. God, we thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross in conquering sin and death. Lord, we thank you for your work in creating us physically. 
Lord, you fashioned us in our mother's womb. And not only were we fashioned once, we were fashioned twice. You made us new. The old has passed away. The new creation is here because you have done the work. Lord, you tell us to do these things in remembrance of you until you come. And so, Father, we thank you for the work that you have done, Lord, in us, Lord, for the work that you desire to do through us, Lord, that you didn't just save us and put us on a shelf, but, Lord, you have saved us and you want to put us into service. Lord, I lift up to you each one who is here this morning, Lord, because I know that you love them. I lift them up to you because I know that you have made them on purpose. Lord, there are good works that you have also made for each one. Lord, I pray that their new life in you would be expressed in these new good works. Lord, works that we're not doing to be accepted by you, but they're good works that we're doing because we have been accepted by you. God, we thank you and we praise you for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.